your host, Midori, and today we have the pleasure of speaking to my dear friend, Marjorie Willard. She is a seamstress, an advocate for climate change and textile waste. She also is really into vintage and has a vintage shop, so I'm really excited to talk to her today. How are you? Hey, I am great. It's so <laughs> I'm so excited to be here on your <laughs> podcast. I've been a big fan of what you've been doing for several years. Really cool to be here. Thank you so much. And I'm excited to talk to you because we met years ago in fashion design school. And it was interesting the way that we met because we have similar names. So <laughs> I think it was a design class. I don't know which one, but... Um, I just remember like the first day, the teacher getting our names confused, like Marjorie, 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 like it was so funny. <laughs> and I was just like, wait, <laughs> you had, I was like surprised because you also have a J in your name, which isn't super common to find people, not only like Marjorie with a J, but like all, all your name is, is just my name without the first R. And I was just like, oh my God, we're going to be best friends. <laughs> exactly. I know. And then from there, it was just like, yeah, we connected immediately and it was so cool. Yeah. Um, so we met in fashion design school and before fashion school, did you have your vintage Etsy shop? Yeah, I started that right after high school. Okay. <laughs> 2005. And you were kind of on the, I feel like even before vintage was really taking off online and like, this is before social media, mm-hmm. like, cause now it's so huge and vintage is having a revival, but you were like really one of the first, I feel really doing that. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> Definitely had some people I really looked up to, especially like, um, OG at our eBay sellers actually. eBay. Yes. Oh my God. eBay. And then it kind of transitioned <laughs> to Etsy. Yeah. And so I, I was looking up to them and I realized like I could do this too and that's basically how it starts for everybody so mm-hmm. happened to do it very young <laughs> so did this inspire you to go into design yeah in a way it did my grandma and my mom are also seamstresses so at the time I thought this is just like a good combination of the two I can learn how to sew and then I can sew vintage garments mm-hmm That's really cool. Like the vintage, was this something that like you grew up with? I didn't grow up with vintage. Um, My mom would never step foot in a thrift store. (laughs) Uh, I just, you know, high school, you meet people who are into cool things. And some of my friends introduced me to vintage and I was hooked. So it definitely came around a little bit later in life. But for the time period, early 2000s, I think that was pretty young for someone. Mm -hmm. Now I feel like a lot of people are into vintage when they're in elementary school. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's like the influence too with like social media is now like, you know, more higher like celebrity people are like, oh yeah, vintage is cool. But like, yeah, before social media, um, (laughs) before there was Instagram, it was kind of, you kind of had to find your creativity on your own. So, but that's really cool. So going to fashion design school, because this is something that has been on my mind a lot lately with the pandemic and like also being a fashion designer working in the industry. Like kind of tell me about like what your perception of going to design school was. Like, did you think it was a positive experience? Was it worthwhile? The best part was meeting all of my friends, (laughs) you and Allison and some other people that I still talk to. But I definitely... At the time, you know, it's just so expensive and Mm -hmm. I couldn't justify spending so much money on things that I remember my grandma like doing or talking about. So it was not the best experience just because I put, I mean, I went into so much debt 
And I feel like I could have avoided that debt if I had just been a little bit more resourceful, if I would have just called my grandma up and taken some like classes on YouTube or something. So that was basically why, you know, I went to school and then how I ended up dropping out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I feel just with the accessibility of everything being online and the way that now working in the industry, it's like completely different than how they teach fashion. So for me, I'm kind of like, well, I'm in debt and I have a couple more years to pay off my student loans, but I'm not really using a lot of the stuff that I learned in school um, in the real world. So I feel like there's a huge disconnect. And then also with the pandemic happening and not being able to go into the classroom um, and like working virtually, Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's really, I don't know. It's like, is, is fashion design school relevant? Yeah. I've always had that question in the back of my mind because when we were at school, I just got this idea that I felt like if I'm going to be the next big designer, I would know that by now <laughs> I would have a lot more drive than I do mm-hmm. in this classroom. And that's real. Another reason why I quit was because I woke up one day and I was like, I really don't feel connected to this school. I don't feel connected to the program. I love sewing, but I'm not sure if trying to make it to the top of the industry is like where, what I want to do. And, you know, yeah. And especially with the pandemic now, I mean, everything I've learned in the past year, I've learned on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's just like uh, the expensive supplies and everything too, that you had to buy out of pocket. But yeah. So for those listening who are like considering a a degree in fashion, like more interested in learning about the industry and like school, I don't know. I personally feel like it's different. It's hard because when you apply for a job, like in the industry, they're like, Oh, you know, you need like a bachelor's or something like that. But really I have some friends in the industry who just have an associates. And I feel like if you are interested in design, pretty much just learn your own way, but also just get an associates, like don't put yourself in debt over this career, because once you get into the industry, you're not going to make any money. (laughs) But yeah, but that's how we met. We met um, in design school. Now, like with your business kit and surprise, you did start off selling vintage and I have a couple of vintage pieces from you that I love. Oh my God. So I have this dress, um, like that gold, like yeah. 70s, 60s the dress. Sleeves. Yeah. <laughs> sleeves. And I just, it fit me like a glove. Like I swear that dress was for me from a past life. Like it came back and like it reincarnated or something. <laughs> So when you first started off selling for Etsy, tell me about the process of thrifting and did you have an aesthetic in your mind? Like I want to look for nineties vintage or how does that work? Is it intuitive? Definitely intuitive, but also there takes, I think there is a lot of self-control that I didn't realize I didn't have, especially in the beginning. I was just like, I love it all. I mean, how could you not love all vintage if you're in the field? Mm -hmm. But I needed, I needed to, after a while, I realized I need to really pick an aesthetic. So it's just like, yes, it's vintage and I definitely don't want it to go to a landfill, but if I buy every single piece, I'm going to be swimming and drowning in vintage. Mm -hmm. So that comes with time, I think. (laughs) Um, My aesthetic now is definitely like 70s wildflower gunny sacks, but with a little bit of like, maybe a little bit of nineties in there as well, mm-hmm. just changes, but it usually stays around that wildflower palette, like that native, native earthy theme. 
I love um, Gunny Sacks. Like, oh my God. There's this girl I found. I forgot the account name, but she's on um, Debop and all she sells is Gunny Sacks. And I, it's expensive because yeah. <laughs> and she like repairs it herself. But I'm just like, oh my God, one day I'm going to live out my prairie 70s <laughs> like vintage well, I, fantasy. I, I just bought a vintage Gunny Sacks sewing pattern. So oh my God. I don't know if I'm at that. Not, I don't want to say level because I, I think I can make it. I just don't know if I am going to have the patience anytime soon. But it's it's just a you know a standard gunny sacks dress pattern from Jessica McClintock. So mm-hmm. that's like oh my, my gosh. summer project. So I'll, <laughs> I'll make one for you if I, if I feel confident enough. Yeah. Oh my God. That'd be a dream. So because I remember years ago in Chicago, we did actually go thrifting one day and... <laughs> I don't know if you remember it. It was like probably like, I don't even know, 2012 or something. This was like a year, like probably like a decade ago. And um, I just remember just like watching you and you just like, you knew what like was going to be like, like you just had this like eye and this like intuitive design sense of like, okay, this is what people want. And I just thought that was so fascinating. I think that's really cool. (laughs) Did you find that you had, you didn't have like enough space in your apartment or like home to like hold all of your, <laughs> I'll just, I, I come with a disclaimer, like with my new, my, he's not my new boyfriend, but you know, when we started dating and we we're talking about moving in together, I'm like, well, we need at least two bedrooms. <laughs> I know we're just a couple and that's it, but I need a room for my clothing. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. Now I have a studio. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to talk about repairing damaged vintage. Can you kind of tell me about that process? Like, did you have to research how to repair certain things? So that's interesting. Um, I I have not had a garment that I have not been able to repair because of the age of the fabric. But, and that just might mean I just need to sew a bunch of seams back into it. Mm-hmm. Going into it, I also do have a little disclaimer. Like, these will not be back to their original you know, they're, they're ripped or broken or whatever. I'm not going to be perfect, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, um, if a vintage item has like a missing button, that's an easy fix. You just find a button that goes with it. But a lot of times the garment will be missing a hem or have a lot of seams that are undone. And I don't, I don't typically have any issues with fixing that due to the age of the fabric. The bigger problem are, can sometimes be like moth hole, moth holes. Mm-hmm. So holes that are just like in the middle, like I have one on my shirt. It's just like in the middle of my shirt and certain types of knits are really hard to repair. Um, with other garments, I do make some executive decisions where I will say like, okay, well, this dress is now going to be a pleated dress because of all these holes. And I'm just going to like, I'm just going to take it in. This dress is no longer a size 16 it's a size 12 because I'm just gonna take this fabric out completely mm-hmm. so, but that's kind of the cool thing about mending it especially if it's not for a person who's gonna wear it because then they just sell it as a different size and it goes both ways too you can also add fabric that's really interesting and yeah I'm sure you have to like inspect before you sell because a lot of things like you don't know how much damage clothing can have like even in like our closets right now like modern day like I'll notice certain things and I'm like wow like I've only worn this a couple of times and it's already just coloring or you know this coloring can be tricky I do I do keep a lot of things out of like the sunlight and my you know my studio does not have windows <laughs> um mm-hmm. yeah it can be tricky and some garments I do you know I had pretty good luck with what people have brought me um they brought me some pretty gnarly garments <laughs> but, um, 
yeah, I mean, if, if something is just completely falling apart and stained and everything, I do have to say like, this is not, not really mendable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can make something cool out of it. I can make a stretchy or something, but I can't mm-hmm. give you back this garment. The way yeah. Um, what's the coolest thing that you've ever thrifted before that you were like, oh my God, like, this is so awesome. <laughs> I used to find when I, when I lived in Colorado, I would go to the bins and I don't know if, any, if your listeners don't know what those are. They're basically giant warehouses where everything is by the pound. And every once in a while, a bin would roll out and it would just be full of like 70s cocktail dresses. And oh it's 99 cents a pound. And you're just like, oh, I'm going to die. <laughs> I, would find, I have this beautiful, I think you modeled it, that shimmery dress. I still haven't oh, sold yeah. it. I'm, I'm okay with it. It's so beautiful. It's like an ornate cocktail, like 70s go-go dress. And it's long sleeves and it's just very sparkly and beautiful colors. And I just found that like poking out of a pile of clothing and I was just like, I'm going to hang this on my wall. (laughs) It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Yeah. Do you find that vintage stores or like warehouses, is it, are they depleting? Has it been harder and harder to find vintage and vintage fabric or is it becoming easier now that everyone's kind of getting into it? Well, Over the winter in Chicago, I personally have a hard time finding vintage, but I think that's because like I go for bright colors, summery things, and they don't put that out. Mm. But everyone, and and I have noticed like a lot of people (laughs) shopping vintage at like Village Discount. So I think that's another, that's like one of the big reasons I just kind of like removed myself from the market um, because I just didn't want to, I didn't want to have to compete (laughs) as Mm -hmm. much. I, I, you know, I just didn't want to have to stress. Every once in a while, I'll go into like a village discount and they'll put out like a fresh batch of dresses with vintage and I'll just get lucky. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I do find that it's looking for like that 70s stuff is very hard. Yeah, because that's like a huge trend right now. So I'm sure. So like, what do you consider vintage? Because I've heard it has to be at least 20 years old. It could be considered vintage or your time frame for this could be now considered vintage. 20 years is a really good marker. And I think that's just because I've been at Etsy for so long and that's their rule. Mm-hmm. But it does feel like 20 years ago, you know, we're talking early 2000s, which is mm-hmm. crazy. <laughs> but you do see those trends coming back anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, like certain things that I remember from my youth. (laughs) So it's just kind of the trend forecasting kind of lines up with like the 20 year old coming back into fashion thing. I think we learned about that in school. There's fashion recycles itself. And I don't know if they said it was every 20 years or every 30 years, but when you think about it, like the nineties did the seventies, the aughts did a little, took a little bit from the eighties, maybe not. (laughs) The 80s may have taken from the 60s. I don't know. But I know the 90s definitely took from the 70s. Definitely. So you've switched now from buying and selling vintage to repairing and altering vintage to make Mm -hmm. your own clothing and accessories. So kind of tell me why you decided to do that switch. A big reason is because I'm 34 and I'm tired of hustling. (laughs) And I think I just wanted something with more stability. And I struck up a relationship with somebody who owns a vintage store in Chicago. And she just always has stuff that needs to be fixed. And I was, I started with her and I was like, you know what, if I could just get like a few more people to kind of like use me every couple of weeks or even every couple of months, I would be fine. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not really trying to hustle and make like make that money. (laughs) And that's kind of what vintage has become for me at least. 
And then, so when I do the mending, it gives me a lot of free time to also like make my own clothing. It's amazing practice. I've gotten so good at sewing and I'm also in school full time. So it, it is just like, I, if I'm going to hustle, I want it to be like something that I have more control over anyway. So that's like mending and picking and choosing clients. If someone has too much, I can say no or no. Mm-hmm. Just more stability. <laughs> yeah. What is the time frame for you to do some mending and like sewing? I mean, I can get stuff done within a week or two. If they need it quickly, I can do it that day. My schedule is pretty flexible just because it's pandemic and this is my only job. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty, the turnaround is pretty fast, mm-hmm. but my clients usually like one, one comes into the city every week. So she's like, I don't need it until you know, next Tuesday. And then the other client just lives down the street. So she's super flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty fast. That's really cool. And I've been seeing too on Instagram, like how you've evolved and it's just really awesome seeing like a lot of the vintage fabrics too, because that's something I never really thought about until I started seeing it on your Instagram. I was like, oh wow. Yeah. Vintage fabric. That is something because yeah. <laughs> everyone's looking for the vintage clothing. And I feel like the vintage fabric is actually where it's at. Yeah. And you can also construct them in a better way as well. Like you can take this vintage fabrics and apply modern techniques. So vintage like sewing patterns, they, they were made before, like they, you finish a scene, but they're a lot of them were made before like surgeries. And so when I started working off of vintage patterns and I just did what they told me to without applying any like modern techniques, mm-hmm. I think the garment were just like, they're like frayed hems. I mean, sewing is in my opinion is like, that hasn't changed too much. But I do think there's just a better way to do it. There's better tools out there. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like I made a dress out of 70s fabric the other day and it's going to last forever. Yeah. <laughs> be able to like construct it using like better techniques in my opinion. So. Um, so also too, like with the patterning, cause I know like with vintage and I've also kind of like learned this a little bit through buying vintage from you and like seeing your vintage, the sizing is so different than the sizing today. And like, what is your opinion on that? Like, do you think the sizing was better, you know, 30, 40 years ago, or do you think today it's more <laughs> accurate? Cause it's such a huge discrepancy. Um, so what's kind of your opinion on that? It's, it's amazing how, how it's so different. <laughs> um, my opinion is just, I, I just bought a pattern from somebody who made it this year and even her sizing was weird because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'll make a size 10, which I, at the time I thought was still too big. And then I was like, I guess I'll make a size 12. Like <laughs> I think sizing, it's just, it, it's difficult. Cause I, the most accurate way is to just measure yourself. These are my measurements, but it is, I know it's hard for companies to like, you know, do that. But I, I think I honestly don't really know. I mean, the sizing back then was probably because the way people were built was different, maybe. There weren't as much like fast food options. So people are, they're just different. People are just shaped differently. There's more of a variety, I guess, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's definitely uh, like vanity sizing and the clothing line I designed for is from extra small to double XL. And so it's like considered plus size mm-hmm. and that's a huge range. Um, but it's like, yeah, back then, like 50 years ago, there was no plus size. Like I know some vintage pieces I have are a size six, eight. <laughs> Yeah. You know, that I guess would be equivalent to today's, I don't know, double zero zero. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's so crazy how like the grading system is so different. And I feel like that's why a lot of, 
you know, people, they're kind of like, oh, I want to get into vintage, but I also don't know what size I am. Just bring a measuring tape with you. <laughs> yeah, you have to know your own measurements. Yeah, I mean, there's like tricks. You can like bring the jeans around your neck, but I think, I think the measuring tape is the best way to do it just because it is just the, the variance is just so, so wide. And some patterns will say like plus size, size eight. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> That's size two in today's world. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, we'll see. Like, the sizing is just getting bigger and bigger. And, like, in my opinion, I I don't know. I feel like we're losing a little bit of that art with the way that clothing was constructed back then. Because the vintage pieces I have, the construction is so immaculate and detailed. And we're losing a little bit of that skill. And I also feel like with that, like the sizing and everything too. It's just kind of, I don't know. It's, there's a huge discrepancy of like the way things are going with fashion and the way things once were. It's like almost night and day. Yeah. Yeah. I have to, I I do agree. And I think when you said that there's like a difference in like the construction, it's true. I think, especially with fast fashion, a lot of things are just sewn together with two pieces of fabric and some elastic and you're done. Mm-hmm. But in the back, back in the day, you would put some darts in there. You would line your pockets. You would do a drawstring, you know, just, there would just be like more, more awareness, especially of like the female body shape. Yes. So, you know, that's like a huge part of it too. And yeah, I think there's, there, we're definitely losing a lot of that. And I do see a lot of modern patterns that are basically designed for people to sew them without anything and they they advertise it like that they're like there's no zipper there's no darts and I'm like well it's just a piece of fabric to me (laughs) yeah and a seam like (laughs) yeah yeah it's interesting because there was no such thing as fast fashion Mm -hmm. um, back then you know so it is yeah the construction is completely different and um, I remember seeing a Charles James exhibit and he was just an incredible couture designer and like you the exhibit I think it was at the Met yeah it was at the Met like a couple years ago and you saw the inside construction of the garment and you saw all the pattern pieces and how immaculate it was like he it was he was incredible there was like no one like Charles James and we just don't have that skill anymore even the way they're teaching fashion design you don't get that skill anymore like that's something that's lost it's just kind of going back to like, I want to remove myself from the hustle. I want to spend time on my garment. I want to make sure it's perfect. And there are some YouTube tutorials that are like how to do this without edge stitching. And I'm like, but I want to do the edge stitching. Like Mm -hmm. I want to put in the work because to me, this is art. It's a project. It's something I'm creating completely lost that in like fast fashion. Yeah. And even the factories I work with too, because I'm working with like multiple factories every single day. And like even the simple basic construction or just even just the quality of like, okay, this is like what should look right when you put lining in, like this is the proper way to sew lining or like little construction (laughs) details. They will, they won't do it. And it's like, well, these are the people who are, we're giving like our tech packs to and who are making these things don't even really have that skill or they just, they have it, but everything's so fast and rushed and like money, everything's so cheap now to produce clothing you lose that skill and that art form. I saw something online that said like a fast fashion retailer has no problem charging like $50 for a t-shirt, but someone like you or me who made a t-shirt is like, I'm so sorry, but it's $60. And here's why, let me tell you why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, seven hours. <laughs> it's just crazy how Americans, especially with fast fashion, they have just, 
it has completely shifted the way that we value clothing and like how we look at it and how we just, you know, deal with it or like interact with clothing and someone who's making their own, it's like, we don't even have a chance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can tell to our friends and family and like people who understand it. And that's a small group of people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. And people are like, well, I don't want to spend a lot of money on clothes, but it's like, well, the things that you're buying are going to end up in a landfill yeah. and, or, you know, after they have a shelf life of like a year, like you wear it like four times and like, even like a wash cycle, you wash it like five times. And it's already yeah. you know, falling <laughs> apart. Um, so that's like why, like my personal role is like, I don't mind spending money for clothing because I would rather have less and have better quality, quality over quantity like kind of with the sustainability like going into that like is that another huge drive for you with fashion I mean the sustainability thing has been the probably even above fashion for me I've always just been obsessed with like the earth Mm -hmm. Um, and it it is it's true it's like there are so there's just so much textile waste out there and I am excited to be able to combine my love of fashion and style with something that's actually making a difference, at least I hope, (laughs) with um, climate change and textile waste and also just the livelihoods of people around the world. So when when you donate your clothing to a thrift store, especially if it's fast fashion, it's very likely not going to even be put on the floor of the thrift store because the volume of clothing is just so huge that they Mm -hmm. take in. And if the garment is lucky enough to be sold, like that's great. But most times people are not going to buy Forever 21 from the thrift store because they know they're like, well, I can just go get something new from Forever 21 for probably cheaper than the thrift store is selling it. Mm -hmm. So that clothing gets sent to the landfill or it doesn't even, a lot of it doesn't even get sent to landfills in America. It gets shipped over to um, countries in Africa where the textile waste from Europe and America has just decimated their own garment industry (laughs) so people who used to design and sew clothing they don't have jobs anymore because people in those countries are just like well I'm not gonna buy your clothing we have all this clothing from Europe that we can just buy and sell to each other and Mm -hmm. and a lot of it's garbage (laughs) a lot of garbage Yeah, definitely. And also with the pandemic, so many retailers didn't pay the factory workers. And, you know, where did that clothing go? That clothing like missed going into the stores because it's like pretty much irrelevant trend wise or, you know, market value has dropped. So it just went into the earth. Yeah, it just like, yeah, (laughs) I wish it would go into the earth. It probably doesn't even go into the earth. It may get burned somewhere. I mean, I guess technically it all goes into the earth, but it's probably just sitting in a pile somewhere just taking up space and no one is going to do anything with it Mm -hmm. because it's probably commingling with other waste and now it's clothing that somebody could have worn that is now like useless yeah (laughs) yeah and I feel like with the fashion industry there's so much waste isn't it like is it number one or number two for the most like waste in the world the 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 amount of volume it's a it's a it's a big number I'm not 100% sure what it is but there's a lot of it Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just growing. And I mean, I, I know there's like a lot of sustainable movements and like collection that I am working on designing, uh, there's sustainability, but it's like the sustainability, you know, it can vary. Like, it's hard to even monitor when you're getting certain fa- certain fabric from factories like mass market factories, you know, the real 
sustainability percentage because it could be, you know, we, you can market it as something and like businesses do this all the time. Like, you know, a lot of businesses, I'm not going to name them, will say like, oh, this is a sustainable product or this is made of recycled, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's like how much of that really is, you know, right. actually sustainable. And then the price tag ends up going higher which is kind of like, <laughs> I feel like very ironic. <laughs> I know. And who can afford that, you know? And mm-hmm. also it's marginalized, or it just, it's, it's marketable to the same people. Like, and yeah, that, what, what you just described is called greenwashing, brainwashing, but they're applying it to like sustainability and everything. So there's a lot of companies who do that. And yeah, it's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really bad. And it's like, you know, that's another reason why fashion, you know, 50 years ago, people didn't have a massive wardrobes like today, you know, they had a small wardrobe, like even like in New York, I live in a pre-war building right now. I lived in a pre-war building years ago that was made in like 1922. And my closet was so small. Mm-hmm. My apartment now I have one closet. And like, it's pretty big. It fits like everything. But in the closets were so small back then, because people didn't have a lot of clothing like they do today. And clothing was more expensive because of the quality. And also you just didn't, there was not this huge need to have so much stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, we're in a weird backwards way. Like, oh yeah, we're going to charge all this money to be sustainable because these fabrics are better when they're not really. (laughs) So you can have less shit. And it's like, well, we always should have just had the program of like not having so much shit, but here we are. I know. I mean, it's just, it comes down to capitalism, you know, people, they'll do anything to make another dollar. And we have, we're just bombarded with advertisements and social media, basically Mm -hmm. telling us like, you need to buy this. And it's really disheartening to see so many like green companies just kind of like pushing their product on you. Because in my opinion, like the the most sustainable thing to do is wear what you have. (laughs) And if you want, if you really want to buy something like, of course, like, you know, buy it, but they're just kind of switching the narratives or just they're just switching the words and like maybe making a small change to their product that is more a little bit more sustainable but their bottom line is their dollar they just need to make more money and so they're they're seeing that the movement is going towards more like green fashion sustainability a lot of companies are going to do the very bare minimum and then they'll slap that like green leaf on their tag and charge 50 more dollars for it and you have, just have to do your, you have to do your research. Mm-hmm. Don't trust what these companies are telling you. And I've bought from companies, I just bought some socks from Girlfriend Collective. I read their whole page about like why they're sustainable. Because I was just like, listen, like these are $14 socks and I want them. But I want, I want to make sure that like there is, there is like, accountability and there mm-hmm. is. And then they also have a program where you can send them the send whatever you buy from them back and they'll recycle it. And that's what more companies need to do as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, definitely more companies, they need to do that. And yeah, that's, that's kind of for me too. Like my rule is I only spend like good money on jeans, coats, and shoes. Mm-hmm. and or like you know a purse like accessories like really if I'm going to get an accessory it's going to be like a really good awesome accessory like my purse now I spend pretty good money on it's mm-hmm. lasted me I wear it almost every day for like six years and it's like in mint condition mm-hmm. and you know I haven't had to buy a new purse in like six years so but um yeah it's just kind of like you know being mindful about like do you really need all this stuff like does it really bring you happiness or you know is it just clutter and it's just you know great for an Instagram picture 
that one time everyone's seen it now online and it's just, you're not going to wear it again. Yeah, exactly. And that's a really big part of it. Cause I, I love to shop and I think I was able to kind of channel my love of shopping into something that's like sustainable. So I shop for vintage or shop for things that I can resell or make something out of. You do have to ask yourself, like, is this something that I really need? And mm -hmm. if it's filling a void, like what, what is really that void trying to tell me? <laughs> is buying us really going to like make it better? Probably not. Maybe, maybe. But at the end of the day, you know, save your money. Save your money. And, you know, it's not about the gram. Because I was seeing too, a lot of these fashion influencers, they're all about their Amazon shopping list. And it really makes me really upset because it's like, okay, Amazon is already incredibly problematic. Yeah. And to also now fashion, I mean, I understand like these fashion companies have to thrive, you know, they have to sell. Also in the past, I've worked like some of the collections I worked with in past jobs have um, also had stock on Amazon as well. Cause like, you know, businesses, like everyone has to make money. So yeah. it's like at one hand, I'm like, okay, yes, we need to, you know, the fashion industry needs to survive, but it's also like, but it's now on a platform with Amazon. Yes, it's accessible, but it's not helping the problem. It's, <laughs> it's making things yeah. actually worse. And, you know, clicking and buying something on Amazon and like having the instant gratification of arriving like the next day is also very problematic yeah. too. Like coming from somebody who's studying basically climate change, <laughs> um, these are things that we should not be used to because they're absolutely like destroying our planet. And if everybody in the whole world had access to something like Amazon, like we would probably, the world would be on fire. <laughs> like there would just be like no resources left we would be completely we have we will we're already depleting all of our resources and like now we have like next day shipping we have one hour shipping it's just crazy mm -hmm. and <laughs> it's such a waste of money too and like mm -hmm. i see and like you know some of these fashion influencers you know I, i'm like oh my god that looks you know cute and then it's like oh here's my swipe up link for amazon and you know it's only ten dollars blah blah and i'm just like oh like first of all i don't know how it's gonna fit yeah, that's cute. But also I know, okay, the quality is not great. And also it's like, I don't want to give any more money to like the billionaires, yeah. you know, for Amazon. And I just know like, this is a waste product. And it's just, you know, what are we trying to prove? If like the pandemic has taught us anything, it's just self-reflection. And do we really have to get our self-worth off of the gram? Like we need to find our self-worth with not buying more stuff. Or if you do buy, make sure you're buying from small businesses, sustainable, black owned. Like we really need to reevaluate where our money uh, is going. And that's been a huge thing for me too. Like my thing like this year, what I really want to try to focus on is if I'm going to buy clothing, it's going to be small and it's going to be like, try to do black owned, like just doing like more research of where it's actually your money is going to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the, I guess, I don't know if it's positive, but it's a good thing that has come out of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. People are aware and, and voting with your money, like, Voting with your dollar is powerful. Absolutely. And I, I think many people think I'm just one person, but it does make a difference. And if everyone on your block stopped shopping on Amazon, you know, that'd be great. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's how small businesses were able to thrive because before Amazon, you know, it yeah. was mostly small and there's like this card in tarot, it's called the tower card. And it's just kind of like you spend all this time and it's like something you've been building and then it just all disintegrates and falls down and like burns to ash. And, you know, you have to like, you know, some build something new in its place, but you want to make sure what you build is more purposeful 
than what you left behind. And I feel like, you know, we're starting to have this tower moment as a society, like the problems being recognized, but not in a big way, like big industry way that someone's actually like, you know, what? I'm going to light fire. I'm going to light a match and like light down, the, yeah. <laughs> burn down this industry. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I remember thinking like coming to the realization that like malls, are going to be gone someday. And I, you know, I grew up in the suburbs. So I'm like, I spent a lot of time in malls, but mm-hmm. Amazon and like these larger corporations, they're all just becoming one business. And it's just, it's just scary. And I, I don't think it should be on our shoulders to fix the problem. I mean, I know the government needs to kind of like intervene with the billionaires, but you know, just your, your dollar goes a long way. I'll just say that again. <laughs> it does. And yeah. like, will like more change will happen. Um, you know, on a collective scale, if we all together decide, you know what, we're going to boycott Amazon or we're going to, you know, shop differently, just more mindfulness. I mean, collectively, it's already spreading. It's a slow start. Like it's just like getting implemented um, on a more like mass market scale because it's always been there sustainability. But, mm-hmm. you know, now it's like a hot item keyword. Like I remember in 2010, so 11 years ago, I was taking an online class before I actually started campus classes. So I was still in Michigan taking this, my first online class. And, um, I did my, it was like a writing class. I did my final paper on sustainability in the fashion industry. And I remember at the time in 2010, it was so hard for me to find, you know, research on it. And, you know, now the world has evolved where it's like, everyone knows, like, you know, you don't even have to be in the industry to know what these words are and what this means. And, you know, it's starting, but we also have to make sure it's starting in a genuine way. And also that people really are like, you know what, we're going to come together and fight against, you know, the billionaires. So yeah, I think it's going to happen because like, there's a lot of um, an Aquarius energy for the next three years. And then once I know you're an Aquarius yeah, <laughs> and um, like when Pluto goes into Aquarius in a couple years, like I just, I definitely see like a lot of these like capitalistic structures are going to fall down and it can only get so bad until it's just like, you know what we got, this has to change. I mean, it kind of comes, if you think about it, and again, this is, I can speak from my educational, my new educational science background. We are in a pandemic for many reasons, but one of them is because of climate change. We are def- we are just destroying the forests to make room for more people and more industry. And because these animals are, being forced to interact with other animals that they never would interact with. That's how like viruses are born. Mm-hmm. Combine people in there. And I mean, it's, it's not fun and I wish it never happened, but I also am not super surprised because of the way we're going and the way we're treating our planet and with our same day shipping and our fast fashion, like we're just basically burying ourselves in a hole. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be able to get out of it if we don't start acting now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's sad. And, you know, a huge cause of that is, you know, what we buy. And yep. it's like, do we really need to have all these things, you know, mm-hmm. but a lot of things like capitalism, a lot of things are happening because of our Americans like and, and probably Europeans, but American demand. So mm-hmm. we are the ones that are like making all of this clothing and making all of these gadgets and we're not taking responsibility for them. Like once a gadget has died, 
you just throw it in the trash. <laughs> yeah, sometimes because you don't know what else to do with it. Mm-hmm. And same with the clothing in these other countries, especially like underdeveloped countries where the factories are or anything. Like they're just kind of meeting our demands, and our demands keep growing and growing and growing. And it's just not going to end well. <laughs> you know, it's not negative. It's just you know the truth um, is raw, and a lot of people don't want to face it and be like, okay, you know. Yeah. yeah, it's nice to have the latest whatever, but it's like, what's the cause of that? Speaking about like the electronic thing and disposing of it. So when I moved to my new apartment, I had two laptops. I had my first laptop from 2010. So it was like huge. <laughs> and then, which I haven't used in years. And then I had another laptop from like four years ago that like, they're completely like so old and decrepit. You can't even like turn them on. And I didn't really know what to do with them. And we like ended up like kind of just like destroying them and taking them to the trash because even like certain places won't even take like certain things. And it's like, well, how do you want me to dispose of this guy? Like, I don't want to bring it to, you know, the trash, but it's like, I have nowhere else to put it. And if like, even the recycling options were more accessible and they actually recycled, (laughs) um, it would be better. Yeah. And I know it's very expensive. And so like what I've learned as I've ventured into my like textile recycling and mending journey is that there are a lot of textiles out there, even as far as vintage textiles go. And I'm running out of space in my studio. Like I need to sell. I'm not really, I'm just, I need to keep making stuff and selling it because I need the space in order to take in more recycling or like more garments and more projects. And so this act of trying to do something with our gadgets and our recycling and our textiles, it's not cheap. And it takes a lot of time, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) so much time to just make a garment or make something out of fabric. And that's why people just throw it in the trash because it is easier. It's so much easier to just donate stuff and be like, okay, I'm done. Instead of being like, how can I repurpose this? How can I recycle this properly? Am I going to go across town and bring this to a recycler or am I just going to save myself a few hours and throw it in the trash? And unfortunately, since we hustle so much, like a lot of people just choose to do the easiest and most convenient thing. And, you know, it's all about just having the conscious thought of like, okay, when I go grocery shopping, should I bring my own bags? You know, you can just be small, like simple little steps like that. Or, you know, just even, um, you know, with fashion, it's like, you know, should I be looking on target.com or should I, you know, maybe look somewhere else and like branch out and, you know, see, is there a small local designer who's doing the same thing probably just in a way better way? Target probably stole their design. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally probably, yes, yeah. Target 100% probably stole their design. But yeah, it's just all about consciousness. And, you know, that is kind of the power. It's like social media is a curse and a blessing at the same time because it's like, okay, like the blessing of like the amount of information that is out there, but also the curse of like the demand of like, you know, that, but um. <laughs> I agree 100%. And I, something that I've tried to incorporate into my like spending habits is like, like thinking about the end of the garment, think of the end of the life of your shoes and be like, Hey, how long is this going to last me? And taking responsibility. Unfortunately, the responsibility is on us right now to make sure our stuff goes somewhere where it's not going to be thrown away. Hopefully that changes. Hopefully more, more companies offer, like send it back and we'll recycle it. But right now it's up to us. So when I do thrift a dress that I really like, or if I thrift something, I think about like, if I don't want this anymore, can I sell it? Like, 
Is mm-hmm. it like something that I think is high quality enough to sell or can I make something else out of it or trying to incorporate that more into my purchasing? It helps mm-hmm. me from not spending too much money and from not buying too much either. Mm-hmm. And like, I know this may like being a fashion designer <laughs> may feel like contradictory to what do I do, but I'm actually, you know, kind of excited that with the pandemic, I haven't spent, I haven't barely bought any clothes in a year and, you know, it saved me money. And also I have been able to use that money towards more like mindful things. Cause it's like, what's a new shirt. It's like, yeah, a new shirt can like, you can feel something for it, but most of the time you're just like, eh, you know, it was cool. But mm-hmm. now it's like really just being like, you know, I really love this. I'm going to spend the money on this. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I have 10 different ways I can wear this and you like feeling that joy of feeling good when you buy something, we need to have that back in our life again. And so this instant gratification, and I, I think um, another weird thing that I've noticed about myself is like once I stopped paying attention to like fast fashion trends, I started to kind of be more a little bit more intuitive with my personal style. That's something that we, we kind of forget about too. Like we're so used to seeing stuff on Instagram and trying to like mimic what we see, but like, think about it. Like, wait, what do you like? Mm-hmm. I personally love black. So I'm black, white, and maybe a little bit of sea foam, but those are my three colors. And I used to think I loved rainbow, which I do, but I usually sell all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love rainbow, but I don't like to wear it. And so I think more people, if you just sit back and think like, what do I look good in? What do I feel best in? Like, and find that high quality garment that you're going to wear for years. And you'll be so grateful instead of just keeping up with those fast fashion trends. Cause everyone's wearing that. And be true to you. You know, and a lot of like old Hollywood actresses like Audrey Hepburn and, you know, they had such like an amazing distinct style because they allowed themselves to find out who they were and like exist in that. And that's like a very beautiful thing. And, you know, it's hard to find that individuality now. I mean, definitely like, I mean, Kate Moss is one of, one of my style icons and I look up to a lot of musicians um, too for fashion, but now music is just being it's hard now to find someone who is like, wow, they have amazing style because Mm -hmm. they're just replicating what's on social media. Yeah. And they have someone that's like doing it all for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A stylist. (laughs) I wish I had a stylist. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, yeah. And I, I think I feel very grateful that I was able to kind of spend a lot of time like in the city when I was younger, just so I, I could see different styles and be exposed to like fashion and people who just like, broke from the norm and do whatever they wanted. And if anyone's listening and you, you know, just do, just be you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Be you. And yeah, I don't, honestly don't even really follow like anyone in fashion on, it's like all witches on Instagram. And <laughs> <laughs> and I actually, I love that. Cause I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, my favorite thing to wear is like jeans um, and a band t-shirt and like a cute pair of ankle boots or like some sneakers. That's like my new uniform. That's you though. And I remember you wearing that like even 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> 10 years ago. Yep. Yeah. Um, so you're in school right now for like more, um, like eco-conscious. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's called environmental studies. Um, I'm actually switching my major to geography and okay. GIS. So it's very boring, but basically I would be like a data person I would just work on a computer and put data into the computer but that's what I want then I can like completely separate that 
job from everything else I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have to worry too much about like making money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, that's another thing too. It's like, you know, the fashion industry, um, it's just sadly like, you know, these creative fields are, it's, it's just not valued and, you know, hopefully that changes. Um, but like, there's just so much, um, like old money involved in the industry. And then the industry is like also influencing the advertisement. Like, you know, it's, it's a whole like umbrella of why this is so problematic. And it's so problematic because the power has not changed hands you know, it's, it's old, like, especially the fashion industry, it's like fam, like pretty much it's like family generational generational. And when there's no change in that, you kind of get like the problems that we have now. And I don't know, I'm, I'm hopeful like in the next couple of years and like with the impact social media is having in the industry for like, you know what, this is messed up. <laughs> change needs to happen. Like accounts like Diet Prada is like really good, like calling out the industry and just being like, you know what, like, can only happen for so long so especially in the like the mass market it's it's like all old money um old white money (laughs) to reevaluate you know where you're shopping and who you're supporting and you know a lot of these designers too like alexander wang like there's a lot of backlash against the sexual assault allegations against him and you know it's really like doing a research like you said about like these brands like where you're going to really put your money and it's like that 14 dollars that you spent on those socks you could have bought like pairs <laughs> 26 dollars. yeah and it's like but you feel good about that purchase yeah, and they you know say, please recycle on them so i had to get Mm-hmm. I'll them forever. I'll burn them. I'll just keep making them. So yeah, I think that was that's really cool. Um, I do want to talk about music because way back when, before I was twenty one, we went to a Best Coast concert. Before you were twenty one, <laughs> I couldn't get in without you. That's why you took me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but yeah, yeah we went to Lincoln Hall. Yeah. Oh my God, Lincoln Hall. Yeah, that was I think in 2011. It was Best Coast. It was Waves. And boyfriend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was so fun. Yeah. I think you got me a beer too. <laughs> Oh my god, that doesn't sound like me. Yeah, maybe it no, I can't remember. I, I don't know. I think you did, or like, I, yeah. I didn't know that you weren't. <laughs> that is so funny. I do remember us having a beer though, probably just one because it's really expensive. Yeah, we probably just had one. Yeah, but that was a fun experience. I think that was probably my first concert when I like. Yeah, when I moved to Chicago. Yeah. That was so fun. <laughs> but is there like any music that you're into right now? Like any bands? <laughs> um, so I've been listening to what have I been? I like listen to these YouTube radio stations that are just like super specific. So they're like old oldies, but it's raining and you're in the other room. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> but it's like when I'm sewing, I need something like chill but no words. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I actually just <laughs> imported all of my CDs into my new desktop computer. So I've been listening to like the National, Interpol, Radiohead, just mm-hmm. my classic like OO's rock. Um, I haven't been keeping up too much on new stuff and I should be. But the most recent person that I got into really hard was Elado Negro. 
Do you know that? Mm-mm, no. He opened for Beirut a few years ago and it was, he is just, do you know Beirut? I do. Yeah. So good. If you like Beirut, you'll love Elado Negro. It's black ice cream in Spanish. Ooh. So good. I mean, he's just got this like really nice voice and it's like a little bit poppy, but then it's like super soothing. And I've just been like listening to that on repeat, like all of his albums. <laughs> okay. Can- so that, that's been my, my recent, it's like three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, with the pandemic, I just kind of, I think one of my coping mechanisms is like, listen to music, you know, <laughs> like control what you can. Like, it's just so weird, but yeah, I know. Yeah. I've, I've been like all over the place with music or like finding like random bands and, but yeah, the early OOs has a special place in my heart. And the early nineties too. I've been listening to the blue album by Weezer a lot. <laughs> but I mean, I've always been listening to that. So and so like one, day, one day I was like I'm just gonna go buy the record and I just like went up the street and I was like I need do, do you have this I need it <laughs> like 20 bucks <laughs> that's awesome uh I know that's one thing I'm like I gotta pick my poison I it's either crystals or records like which yeah. one is it gonna be <laughs> it can change every month you know <laughs> exactly it might be a little dangerous for my wallet but yeah I haven't gotten to the records yet but I want to that's like when I have like a bigger like apartment one day and I have more space like I want to and I have more money I definitely want to get more record yeah. I want to start the record collection what have you been listening to I've been listening to mannequin pussy who else just a lot of random like strokes I've been listening to like old old strokes like early OO strokes it's like um, cool <laughs> experience was literally the strokes the strokes <laughs> yeah um and then yeah just like the nine early 90s stuff like the breeders um stereo lab i've been listening to a lot of stereo lab right now okay i saw them in san antonio yeah it was like 2019 so before the pandemic but i didn't know they were gonna play in chicago and i was like i'm not gonna risk it so i booked some tickets to san antonio and i saw them there <laughs> But I'll send you, can I send you some of my favorite Stereo Lab songs? Oh my God, yes, definitely. Send it all to me because I'm like totally vibing and like getting more and more into them because like I would listen to a couple of songs here or there like on Shuffle, like, oh, if you like this band, this is similar. And, but now I'm like, okay, I'm like trying to get the full like immersive Stereo Lab immersive. Sure. Um, but yeah, I feel like, is there anything else you maybe want to talk about with your business or, oh. you know? Well, if you're local to Chicago, you're more than, if you need anything fixed, (laughs) find me on Instagram. I'm more than happy to fix your stuff. I'm pretty reasonable. Um, But yeah, just be mindful and buy with intention. You know, don't buy. I know it's, I've definitely been guilty of shopping to fill a void and there's nothing wrong with that. And even every once in a while, like, I don't care. I just need to go buy shit. (laughs) But like, think about the the end of the garments and anything yeah definitely yeah shop of intention i love that um so where can people find you and your work and your business so my business on instagram is k dot s dot btg mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't really plan this one out but i can't change it now <laughs> it basically stands for kitten surprise vintage and i i'll probably just keep it just because even though i don't sell vintage anymore it's still very vintage oriented and then my website is kittensurprise.com. It's just going to lead you to Etsy, but that's where you can find all of my like handmade masks and like kitchenwares. And, and I do still have vintage on sale too. And I'm hoping to do a photo shoot soon, a photographer to 
show off my new line of clothing. So over mm -hmm. the winter, I've been sewing a lot of wrap dresses and skirts and stuff. And I'm going to do a little photo shoot on the 606 in Chicago, which is like a that's so awesome but yeah that's that's so cool and it was awesome having you i learned so much and yeah it's great to talk about these you know these conversations and you know the reality of some of the industries that we support um but thank you so much and everyone check marjorie out and her vintage is incredible and yeah if you want anything you know created her up yes. <laughs> so. Even if you have any questions on how to fix anything i can help you oh yay <laughs> all right well thank you so much Bye. Bye.